0: Hey there team, guess what? You are tuned into to the Unconventional Yogi Podcast with yours truly, Colette Marie. I hope that things are going swimmingly <laughs> for you because today we're gonna continue on the journey regarding non-attachment. So in episode 58, we got into one of the Yamas, one of the moral disciplines as it pertained to gender gender identity. And the reason why I chose that particular subject was because in all of the news, conversation and discussion and debate regarding gender identity and gender roles and transgender choices regarding pregnancies, so on and so forth, I thought that why not tailor in a particular yogic concept to broaden the horizon with regards to the things that we attach ourselves to. For example, gender, and I'm talking specifically about the identities, the roles, not so much the genitals and the hormonal secretions, the endocrine system, The reproductive organs because we know that that's all biology we all understand biology we all know that without a shadow of a doubt but moving beyond the obvious of biology and really getting into the nuances of psychology and constructs regarding social behavior and so forth we then enter a new landscape regarding how we perceive things based on our social normative views. And when we have a group of folks that are changing the normative views, sort of turning them upside down or on their heads, folks that are not in agreement with the fact that change is happening, they hang on to their views and their social norms and their particular Uh, feelings and beliefs uh, to the point where it almost feels like they're suffocating other folks. And so when I look at the totality of things that we each attach ourselves to, whether that's gender identity, uh, belief systems, whether that might be religious belief systems, Or cultural belief systems or whether we I uh, attach ourselves to our vocation our work our financial landscape our uh, educational background so on and so forth these are all things that are attached to the physical body right into the to the brain to our perception of self to the ego to our uh, our programmed and conditioned consciousness because when those things are challenged, truly challenged to the point where death is imminent, those things will fall away. They cannot exist in the face of death. When we perish, every single thing that has been attached to the body and to our sense of idea of self, our consciousness, our experiences, our programs, our conditionings, our beliefs, our this, our that, they all fall away. They just don't go on. They, they're, they are all finite. Every single thing. Our body is finite. The color of our skin is finite. The color of our eyes is finite. The color of our hair is finite. Our genetic background is finite. Our geographical background is finite. Our cultural history is finite. Do you see where I'm going, kids? So every single thing that we have grown up with, generationally speaking, things that we've experienced from childhood into adulthood, all of our pain, all of our good, all of our bad, all of our pleasure, all of our frustration, all of our anger, all of our pain, I said pain already, all of our rage, maybe. All of these things will go away. They are finite. So when we attach ourselves to all of the many things that seem to give us some sort of identity in the world, we hold on to those elements so tightly that we end up suffocating ourselves in the process. We may not think that we are, but it is happening. I see it every day happens all of the time so the concept of non-attachment again isn't to suggest that we just detach ourselves and become disassociated with this or that or our loved ones and so on and so forth not in the least but how much do we invest into each and every single thing that we are looking at hearing smelling uh, feeling experiencing sensationally so on and so forth how much of that do we invest ourselves into to the point where we lose ourselves like that's what's happening so if you were to go into say a deprivation tank and to lay there no light no sound and just completely let go which I've done I've gone to a a location here in Philadelphia uh, called, ooh, or I will remember and let you know later. And you go into a tank. It, to me, it looked like a giant washing machine um, filled with a lot of salt. And then you go in there, you close the door. It's comp- It's pitch black. And you're just floating in like maybe a foot and a half or two feet of water. And for me at first, it was a bit disorienting because I couldn't see. I couldn't feel where I was. So I was a bit unnerved for the first like 10 minutes. But then eventually my mind started to drift and float in a way. And I was physically floating. So not being able to touch the walls. I think the contact point when I felt a little out of sorts as I would put a a finger on on the floor of the tank just to gather a sense of where I was. But then eventually I stopped doing that and I didn't have to do that. Point is, as I was floating in the tank without sound, without sight, all the senses for the, for the most part just fading out in the background, cut off, I was in a trance. I I had no no anchor, no sense of anything, just just in this state of nothingness in a way my mind wasn't wandering off into some other place of visualization it, it was just it was just nothing there was nothing which was great I, I, I like that I didn't have to think I didn't have to envision anything I didn't have to go anywhere other than I wasn't where I was but yet I was I was where I was located but yet I wasn't there at the same time very strange, very dualistic thing to think about. The idea, however, that I'm trying to convey is that there was no attachment to anything, not sound, not sight, not space, not where I was. All of those things disappeared. Whoever Colette was, there was no Colette. Colette disappeared. The idea of myself was not present. And that's what I mean about non-attachment. So if we were to be in a situation where we removed all of those things, removed our identity culturally, physically, gender, from a gender perspective, biologically perspective, all of these things, we took it all away. We just dismantled every single ounce and layer of what we consider to be our identity. What would be left? What would be left? We didn't have a political identity. We didn't have a religious identity. We didn't have a cultural identity. We didn't have a gender identity. What if all of those identities disappeared? What then? What do we do? We'd be like an infant. Babies don't have any identity. They're, they're just vying for an, a need for food and safety. There's no identity. Identities haven't even formed yet. Babies do not have an identity they haven't figured that out yet so based on that one single element the fact that babies do not have an identity they are identityless they're not identifying with their genitalia they're not identifying as a boy or a girl it doesn't even exist those those things they are in the complete nowness of life itself they are completely present without any disruption without any programming without any conditioning without any social normative influences nothing they are a blank slate free truly liberated in that sense no attachments no attachment to politics religion where they're from where they were born what hospital they were in who gave birth to them they're not attached Though we place some of our emotional whatever's onto the baby and perhaps some babies feel like they are connected, I'm not sure about that. That goes into the psychology of an infant and I, I have never explored that so I can't give you any kind of answer. But we can project onto a baby all day long and and I think a lot of us tend to do that anyway. They're just in the moment. They're First they were in a dark quiet ish space like the deprivation tank in a womb without sight without hearing some muddled mm -hmm outside of the womb like like being underwater sort of well they are underwater they are underwater they're in a watery sack so they're out in this cozy little nesting place now they're in this like stark like in-your-face world with light and faces in their face, right? Think about the tr- the transition from a cozy, warm sort of bubble and then pushed out into the world of of different types of sounds and temperature changes and energies and bodies and all sorts of stuff. It's kind of startling, right, if you really think about it. Point is babies don't have identities. We gathered those identities as we aged, as we went through our developmental stages. And now here we are, we're all adults attached to every single identity that we've ever created for ourselves since the age of five. Most of which have been implanted by those around us. Most of which have been bequeathed to us by those around us by our most intimate circle. And that really will come down to family and our community, the immediate people. And now we have access to social media. Now we have access to information right, right then and there. Uh, so there's that is now also raising the child. Social media helps to raise children. Uh, virtual reality is also helping to shape young minds. For, for, for some of us back in the day it was television. It was radio. We didn't have social media. I didn't have social media. We didn't even have a cell phone. We had a rotary phone. Eventually we had a pager and eventually I got a Nokia flip phone and eventually I moved on to the next level of phone and now I have a, an iPhone 13 Pro Max. You see the the progression is you start off with like very minimal things and then it, it evolves over time but we didn't have those types of things in our faces, but we had other things that helped to shape our young minds as we were getting along in life. Why does any of this matter? It matters because when we look at the newest generation coming up as they are, they're growing, they're evolving, they are learning about themselves at a much faster rate, probably more so than generation um, X, like myself, and generations before myself, baby boomer generation, and everyone else. Um, you know, they're, they're discovering all sorts of things at a much rapid rate. They're becoming more socially aware faster. They're becoming uh, individually aware faster. They're realizing the fuckery of a lot of things going on in life at a much quicker rate. And they're not so much in a bubble anymore like we used to be in our bubble. We were. And people still are in their bubbles. There are lots of bubbles. And we are attached to even those bubbles that we create for ourselves. And so non-attachment is a great concept to apply when you are faced with how deeply you have invested yourself into a variety of concepts and and realize that these things are part of social programming social conditioning social normative influences and those influences may not even have anything to do with you you may not even have anything to do with the creation of those influences but yet you abide by them or i abide by them and then when someone is doing something completely different well, then we start pointing fingers and judging the other individuals if they're bad or as if there's something wrong with them, which is silly because, you know, it wasn't that long ago where other generations were being pointed fingers at and think that they were something was wrong with them. It happens and it happens to the best of us. But how long do we let that kind of behavior take place? Like at what point do we decide to make a different change to change our behavior, to change our thinking? So as you go on in life, you can certainly ask yourself what is important enough to hang on to, what, what kind of, what kind of kinds of things you can let go of, because again, you can't take it with you. Just like you can't take your house with you when you die. You can't take your money with you. Can't take your cars with you. Can't take your jewelry. Can't take anything. You can't take any of these things when you go on to the next realm of existence or non-existence. So, is it better to be somewhat invested have you know have a plan financially get involved actively as an activist or politically and join a campaign and get involved in voting sure, absolutely. If you feel strongly about something, great. Okay, you positively exercise something that is going to be a benefit to the whole of this country, not to just a select few or a small portion or one side over the other side. I think collectively we can do better, but the gap is really gonna come down to, uh, the gap closing will come down to each of us realizing that the gap itself is an illusion anyway, because the right-left narrative is an also an illusion and it's a construct to keep everybody in a state of separation. Uh, so that's what I find fascinating about these, uh, views politically at how far over to one side and the other they are. And this like imaginary, like boogeyman on both sides, which is then perpetuating this, this eluse, this illusory gap between bodies of people. It's, uh, It's fascinating to be an observer of it, but it's also frustrating to be an observer of it. (laughs) It's fascinating and frustrating at the same time. And so, when I think about folks having these debates about transgender folks regarding uh, pregnancy or abortion rights or pro-life or pro-choice or... uh, any of these things it's so it's just silly to have the debate unless you plan on doing something productively positively about it meaning you uh vote for the right person that will have people's best interests at heart or you I don't know again I keep saying join a campaign or volunteering for a campaign or you volunteer for some sort of um you know like a, a at the voting booths you know things of that nature I don't know you know get people to sign up to vote you go door to door however the grassroots campaigns for that work and you get involved in that in other words put your money where your mouth is there's nothing wrong with having conversation at a dinner table we're being social as long as everybody realizes that we're not all here to change each other's minds and we certainly can have a conversation and not agree and still enjoy the meal and the glass of wine that goes with it. It doesn't have to be this, this serious debate. We're not, in, you know, we're not in a debating contest. So to go that far is silly and to do it on social media to me is even more, mm, it's not a very good use of time and energy. I think it's, I think it's kind of silly. So, wrapping this up, attachment to almost everything in this life is not very good for our mental well-being, our physical well-being. Non-attachment means also letting go of everything that we think makes us who we are, but yet appreciating the aspects of who we are, because even... The is of who we are is an illusion. It's, it's just a fictitious thing that we've conjured up at the same time have been programmed to become over a period of time. But aside from that, how we deal with life, how we look at things, serious, not serious, employing the concept of non-attachment, regarding the yogic concept is not a bad thing. It can serve us when we are faced with very interesting, probably unpleasant challenges in life. And it's not an easy thing to embrace, but we ought to. We have to embrace non-attachment because everything in life is temporary and finite. And that is all I have to say about that, my friends tune in again soon you are listening to the unconventional yogi podcast with yours truly colette marie